You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. when they Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 61. Before we begin today's episode, we want to let our listeners know that we are going to ask them to submit questions if they have anything that they would like us to cover to follow up on any of the episodes that we've had over this past year. We did the same thing at the end of last year, and we received uh, a nice response from that. We had a couple of episodes uh, where we were able to dive in deeper on some topics or answer some questions that people had from some of the episodes that we had done throughout the year. So we're doing that again this year, and we hope to broadcast those episodes early next year. And with that, I'll turn it over to Jason. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 13, verses 19 through 29. The Lord said this parable, The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter by the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the householder has risen up and shut the door, you will begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. He will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There you will weep and gnash your teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And men will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. Father, would you begin by sharing any insights or comments on the uh, the two similes that Jesus uses in this parable, uh, the mustard seed and the leaven? Sure. Yeah, let's begin in the order Jesus uses them. He first mentioned the mustard seed. And in the Middle East and Africa, the mustard tree is a rather large tree, although even more so, it is a tree that can have very thick, full leaves. And so the tree has the appearance that is the opposite of the hair on the top of my head. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm now almost completely bald. But the mustard tree is the opposite of that, very thick and filled out. And what Jesus is pointing out here is that it's quite amazing to realize that such a large, full, magnificent tree comes from such a very small seed. Because the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds. I think it's like a millimeter or slightly larger. Yet it gives life. It causes to blossom this magnificent tree. And so what Jesus is showing in this simile is that something uh, that maybe initially seems to be small, so insignificant, may actually become something much larger and more powerful. Mm, Very good. And how about the leaven? Yeah, and with the leaven, it's something very similar. You start with something that's relatively small compared to the dough, but by putting that little bit of leaven in there, it causes the entire loaf of bread to rise. So in both cases, you begin with something extremely small, something really almost microscopic, and yet it has such a huge outsized long-term impact. So thinking uh, always uh, towards the application of Jesus' teachings, Father, how should we uh, practically understand what Jesus says here? 
Well, I think the practical aspect of it is that we should never consider a work too small. We should not discount the impact it might have on someone for us to show a kind gesture. You know, if there's someone who's sort of on their own, not in the in crowd, then we should befriend them. We should sit at table with them. Of course, right at this moment, we're, uh, we're not having coffee hour like normal due to the pandemic, but that will hopefully return in the not-too-distant future. And I always encourage people to look for someone at coffee hour or other types of gatherings who is alone or who isn't usually seated with lots of other people. And go be kind and friendly to them. It means a lot. The same for our children. If there's someone at school who's struggling, someone who doesn't have a lot of friends, just go be nice to them. Introduce them to some of your friends. Tell others when they make fun of them to stop. Uh, these little gestures can mean the world to people who are in those situations. And as I always teach, because it's the scriptural teaching, we Christians should never, ever worry about the outcome that we see or do not see because of our doing the work of the Lord. The Lord very clearly calls us to plant the seed. In other words, to do what we're supposed to do. We can't help if the seed takes root and grows. All we can do and all we're responsible to do is to simply plant the seed. And just as a side note, that's why I don't like getting into the numbers game that so many of us in the church communities can get into. How many people go to our church versus the church down the street? How many people came to this service or that service? How many seminarians came from this parish or that parish? Our job is not to pr produce. Indeed, we cannot produce. As Paul told the Corinthians, only God gives the growth. All we can do, our sole focus, should be on planting the seed. And by that, we mean that we should put our life in order. We should live God's will in our lives. We should impact positively those within the realm of our influence. And that is precisely all that God has called us to do. If we take any credit for the growth, then we're taking the credit that belongs to God alone. But yet we are to understand that even by doing these seemingly small things, even by being as small as a mustard seed or as minute as leaven, we can have a long-term impact to the uplifting of God's kingdom because He can multiply. I appreciate those uh, practical words, Father. And moving on to another part of today's reading, following the question of, Lord, will those who are saved be few, uh, which is in verse uh, 23, Jesus says, among other things, that we should strive to enter by the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And I suppose that you could, you could read this passage and fall uh, into one of three camps. Either you're convinced that you will enter through the narrow door, uh, or you're convinced that you won't, or maybe you're undecided. So my question is, how do we best heed the warning of Christ here, for our Lord tells us uh, also in Matthew 7 that there are few who will find the way to life. I think I'll just start with the fact that he mentions, Jesus mentions, few will enter through this narrow gate. And I think the reason for that is that everything I just said earlier is so contrary to our human nature and our human cultures. I mean, you see it right away in the Bible. God tells the people to increase and multiply and spread out on the earth. And what do they do? They all congregate in one place and start to build big buildings and stand in awe of the works of their hands. And so the way of Scripture, the way of Jesus, the way of learning to live, that you can accept the fact that you have responsibility to plant the seed, but that you get no credit for the growth, is so contrary to the way that the human mind and, again, human cultures and societies think. And, I mean, we all are guilty of that. 
It's something we have to learn. We have to be converted to the gospel. No one is born a Christian. That's why you have that famous passage in John about rebirth or being born again. And so there are few who will truly not only accept but integrate this teaching into their lives. We're so results-oriented as a people. We want to see the result. We want to see the output. We assume if the output is not what we consider to be good, then something must have been wrong with the input. And that's precisely why Jesus' disciples forsook him and fled at the crucifixion. It appeared something must have been wrong. Uh, after all, as St. Paul pointed out from Scripture, cursed is everyone who hangs from a tree. So it appeared to them that Jesus was cursed. That was the output they saw. So the input, his way of life, must, in their minds, have certainly been wrong. But as we know, and as they found out, of course, that was not the case. That's why God raised Jesus from the dead. It was to prove that, in fact, he was the only faithful servant. But it's very difficult for us to make that transition in our minds and in our hearts. And so that's why Jesus mentions the gate is narrow and few will enter it. And how about what I said regarding the three possible camps? Those who think they have passed through the narrow way, those who think they will not or cannot, uh, and those who are unsure. Well, it's obviously very dangerous for us to think or to assume that we've already passed through the narrow gate. I mean, it's quite arrogant and prideful. As St. Paul told the Corinthians, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, be careful. If you think you've entered or will enter through the narrow gate, you best be careful that you're not actually be shut out for your pride. As for those who think they will not or cannot, I would actually say something very similar. They're also arrogant and prideful, thinking that it's up to them to enter through the narrow gate. But no, it's by God's grace that we enter through that gate. So to think that we cannot do it assumes that we must rely on our own strength, on our own means. As we hear Jesus say, what is impossible for men is possible with God. So we should not be self-reliant, so self-reliant that we become convinced we cannot do it. Of course, we cannot do it on our own, but with God's help, we certainly can. And then finally, to those who are unsure, to me, it really depends on how you define that or the spirit behind it. There's the uncertainty that really borders on the crowd who thinks they cannot enter. But then there's what I would call the holy uncertainty, a sanctified, a blessed uncertainty. And that uncertainty is one that recognizes God as the judge, that we cannot even fairly judge ourselves. But also that person has hope, has hope that by God's grace, they'll be given the strength to enter through that narrow gate. And that is a blessed way to live because ultimately you're putting all your trust in God. You're living your best to please him to live according to his will, and you're not unsure in a worried way, but you're simply trying to please God because you realize that is a blessed path. You're neither worried about heaven or hell, about being rewarded or punished by God, but realizing that the real blessing, the real reward, is simply living according to his commandments. And that's why you have Psalm 119 as the longest psalm, praising God for his instruction to his people. It's why we sing the song that introduces and concludes our show. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes, because the blessing is in living according to those and leaving everything else to God. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we began with a discussion of the mustard seed and the leaven from Jesus' parable. 
In both cases, we are presented with the idea of something small and seemingly insignificant, growing into something quite large in comparison. Practically speaking, we can understand this to mean that we should never consider a work too small, and as Christians we should never concern ourselves with the outcome of our work for the Lord. We are called to plant the seed, but we cannot produce. It is God alone who gives the growth. We then examine Jesus' warning to strive to enter by the narrow gate. Here we discussed the pitfalls of viewing our entrance through the narrow gate as either assured or impossible, both of which suggest arrogance and pride. However, if we view our entrance through the narrow gate as what Father Aaron called holy uncertainty, we can recognize that with God as the judge, we can have hope that by God's grace, we will be given the strength to enter through that narrow gate. For what is impossible for men is possible with God. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God and our hope, glory to thee.